What a great story. Uh, good morning, Quest. My name is Jeremy Shelley. I'm the youth pastor here, and, and I hope that you're enjoying this series that we're in, uh, Three Story, where we get to think about God's story as it intersects with ours and how we can influence others. It's, it's been really fun to, uh, hear the stories of staff and other people, uh, as they share their, their testimony via video or preaching, and, and I'm super excited to be here. I'm a little nervous to be here too, and, uh, but that's okay. Um, so, I, I, I just wanted to begin this morning by first of all saying, as a pastor, I get this platform to share with you, you know, ideas about faith and how to live, and I never want to seem preachy or anything like that. I, I really don't. Uh, but today, I, I just want to start off by saying, my story is my story, and I hope that you won't compare it with yours. But what I do really hope for is that uh, you can take something, that something will transfer and it will speak to your life, and hopefully the Lord can just uh, take you and inspire you in your own story. Uh, it's, it's interesting because in, in the midst of, of God's grand narrative, the story that he's telling and writing for everybody, uh, it's, a, it's a big, wonderful, amazing, majestic, redemptive, tender, crazy, wild, and adventurous story. Uh, and he's got something for every single one of us, a little piece that's our own so that we can live out God's story for us. So what I ask for this morning is that you would just listen to me and seek God's direction for your own life. How can you learn to allow God to influence, influence your story so that it can speak to other people's lives? Let me, let me pray for us. Well, Heavenly Father, um, you are the author of our lives. You are the perfecter of our faith. And Lord, uh, as you create us, as you move in us, as you write our stories, we pray uh, that you would just speak to us what your narrative for our lives truly is, God. God, thank you that you invite us to be a part of what you're doing, how you're moving and how you're speaking to people all over the earth. Lord, open our hearts today. Let us hear your words, Lord, your desires for us. Amen. Uh, my story begins uh, before I was born. Uh, that may make sense to you. I don't know. As I've been thinking over the years of how would I tell my story, where do I really want to start, I've decided this is where I have to begin it. Um, it starts with my parents when they were uh, going to get married. Um, both of them were married married previously. Uh, they had been divorced. And once they met and decided to get married, they went all over town trying to find a church and a pastor that would marry them. And every single church that they went to, the pastor said, no, we won't do it. Until they went to First United Methodist Church, Carrollton, Texas, and they met a man named Reverend Gene Tyson. And uh, Reverend Gene Tyson was a, a wonderful man. I'm so thankful for his life um, and the wits that he had about him to recognize that my father did not know Jesus. Uh, what he did was he told my parents about his story, a, a story that too um, had divorce in it and redemption. Uh, he shared God's story of restoration with my parents, and my dad was moved. He changed his life because of what he heard, and, and he gave his life to Jesus that day. And then the very next day, Reverend Tyson married my mom and my dad. That was June 19th, 1972, and uh, uh, because of that, because of what happened that day, I was able to be raised in a Christian home. 
Four years and 11 months after my parents were married, I was born. I want to draw a straight line here in my story. Um, My story is what it is because Gene Tyson chose to follow God's story. And then knowing the power of God's story, he shared it with my mom and dad who chose to follow. My dad chose to follow Jesus on July 18th, 1972. And I was raised in a Christian home because of Gene Tyson and his yes to Jesus. Because he followed Jesus. Now we're in this story series uh, called Three Story. God's story is powerful. And when we let it intersect our story, it then has the power to influence the stories of the lives of the people around us. Now I was thankfully raised in a Christian home. I gave my life to Jesus at an early age. I was barely six years old when a Sunday school teacher introduced me to Jesus via the flannel graph. How many of you know what a flannel graph is? Yes. Um, If you don't know, it's that green flannel felt thing that you throw little puppet thing, weird things on it. And I remember seeing a big fluffy sheep, lamb. It was perfect and white and a big heart. And I just understood that I wanted Jesus in my heart. It made sense. It clicked. I went home. I prayed with my mom. I accepted Jesus that day. And um, it was it was a wonderful day at church. Now, on a side note, um, I am so thankful for our children's ministry at Quest. We have a great children's ministry here. A wonderful team of volunteers and leaders who lead our children. And I promise you that your kid's first introduction to Jesus will not be via flannel graph here at Quest. Thankfully. So I I became a Christian early and uh, soon learned how to walk the line of faith and faking it. In my early teen years, I was not so grateful for my Christian home and my parents and their upbringing. I, I felt like I was missing out on much of the life that my schoolmates were experiencing. And so I dabbled. (laughs) A lot of my story is about straddling the line of faith and following Jesus and living in the world. There was this battle going on inside of me as I tried to understand the things that I was learning at church and from my family and the things that I experienced at school with my friends. Deep down inside of me, I was looking for answers to some very big questions. And even though I may not have been able to articulate it at the time, I wanted to know a few things. I wanted to know um, what my identity was, what my purpose was, and my community. I wanted to know who I was, why I was here, and who I belonged to. And I looked all over trying on new things, new ideas, new activities, and new people. I I was all over the place. And then, on July 15th, 1992, when I was 15 years old, my youth pastor called me on the carpet for my hypocrisy. (laughs) He called it like he saw it, and and he challenged me to live my faith out. And and I can't explain to you to this day what he said and, and, and exactly how what he prayed made sense, but I understood at that moment a huge distinction in my life. I realized that while I knew Jesus as my Savior, I had not allowed him to become my king and the ruler of my life and actions. But from that day forward, I was different. I began to reflect Jesus in a whole new way. He consumed me, and and, and I couldn't get enough of him. He became my world, and and I started to make plans for my long-term future based on Christ. It was easy, and and what I mean by that is that while the decisions were hard to sometimes commit to, Seeing them and recognizing them was easy. 
I knew what was right and wrong, and a lot of time that really came from my parents raising me in this Christian home and the principles and the values that they um, put into my life. Now, as a pastor, uh, I've learned that there are three basic questions that most of us long to have answered. We, we often wonder what our purpose is here on earth. You know, why was I born? <laughs> you know, what am I good for? Am I living in my sweet spot? What was I created for? Uh, we, we wonder, who am I? What do I stand for? What are the principles and guidelines and convictions that determine my decisions in life? And, and then we want to know, with whom do we belong? Whose am I? Who are my friends, my family, my community, my church, my God? Now think about it for a minute. Have you ever wondered about those kinds of things? Have you ever wrestled with those questions in your own life? As a youth pastor, I know that when I'm preaching or teaching, if I deal with those kinds of questions, I can keep and hold the attention of the youth for the entire message, regardless of how dry I am, because that's what they want to know, right? You guys want to know who I am. What's my identity? Why am I here? Yeah. So you're going to listen to this whole sermon. This is going to be great. These are all big but basic questions, and my story was all about answering them. And thankfully, God's story for all of us also is about answering those questions. But when our lives haven't made the correct story arch, you know, the the timeline that we ourselves plan for ourselves, that was redundant, Um, you know, when we're not living the life that we wanted to think uh, that we should be living, Somehow we miss the correct university train or we get, um, you know, the, I've got to get married by this time of my life or I've got to get out of debt by this time of my life or I've got to have this kind of career by this time of my life. And, and we start to miss all of that stuff. Then we start to question our own story. That's when we begin to question if we've made the right choices and decisions in life or if we even have any value to offer the people around us which can ultimately lead down the really dark road that Dusty talked about last week where we become a victim of our story rather than content with all of our life situations. But when we have the basics of those three questions answered, when God is answering those for us, we become clearer about who we are. And I I started to understand that as I went through college. I, I was learning more about myself and how God created me. And even though I had never considered the pastorate as an option for my career, it became clearer and clearer for me that this is where I was headed. And uh, not too long after I decided to pursue the ministry as a vocation, I was confronted with a new reality that put much of my story in perspective. And this is where I want us to kind of live today. I remember sitting in my youth pastor's office talking about seminary and where I wanted to attend when he asked me this question. Uh, Somewhere along the line uh, in my life of church and growing up, I, I developed a fondness for certain stories in the Bible that shaped my worldview. So when my youth pastor asked me what my philosophy of ministry was, I, I knew the answer without even having to think too hard. I, I blurted out to make fishers of men. And to this day, I'm not sure why that was ready to come out, but I know that at some point in my journey, the story of Jesus calling the first four disciples made a real impact on me. And ever since that conversation, I knew that my life verse was Matthew 4:19. So I want us to consider this story uh, this morning. Let's do some background first. Jesus 
uh, in, we're going to look at the book of Matthew here. Beginning of Matthew, he's just begun his ministry. Jesus uh, is baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River at the rabbinic age of 30. You may ask why I qualify that, uh, the rabbinic age. Um, it's, it's because... Uh, Jesus was referred to as teacher and rabbi. Most of you know that. Um, but this is actually uh, part of his story. Many people wonder why there's no record of what Jesus was doing from the time he was, say, 12 until 30. And I think it's because, quite frankly, almost every Jewish boy was on the same course uh, in their life's journey. And um, people like Jesus, and by that I mean Jewish boys, not messiahs. Uh, there's only one. Um, they would have been on a path of education that went one of two directions. If a boy showed great promise and intellect, he would continue with his education to become a rabbi. And if he didn't, then he would follow in the family business. Now, Jesus was in this educational system that ended at the age of 30, when a rabbi would begin their ministry. And so Jesus is baptized, he's there in the Jordan, then he's led into the desert to be tempted by Satan, and then he begins preaching and establishing his followers, his disciples, his school of future rabbis. And so we come to Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. You can read along with me, the verses are on the screen. Verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed them. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. They were mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. This is a, a simple story. And, and in this story, I discovered the answer to those three questions that I wondered about the most. Who am I? I'm a follower. Of whom? Jesus. And, and what was I created for? To fish for people. It, it was as simple as that. I'm a disciple like the first four and the subsequent eight. Well, seven. I don't really want to identify with Judas too much. Um, now, my story, and, and this is really why I wanted to qualify some of this at the very beginning. Um, it led me down a path of vocational ministry. And I don't believe for one minute uh, that every follower of Jesus needs to quit their job, go to seminary, and become a pastor. Uh, that's That's not what I think everyone has in store for them. I don't believe that. But a few years back, I heard a great exhortation to all Christians. I was listening to a message by Rob Bell, and regardless of what you think about him, uh, he said something that I thought was remarkable in reference to calling. Um, I was sitting in a room full of pastors and seminary students, and he said this. I'm going to paraphrase him. To those of us who lead other Christians and have responsibility, we have a responsibility to be clear about calling. No, not all of us will be called to the pulpit. Not all of us will be called to pastor. But one thing is certain, every Christian is called. And for those of us who want to question that call, I have some words for you. The phone is ringing, and it has been ringing since you decided to follow Jesus. Isn't it time you picked it up? Now, I, I laughed when I heard those words because I had been dodging that phone call for almost a decade. But let's look at the first disciples. When Jesus called them, what was their response? They followed him immediately. 
They dropped their nets and everything they were doing, and they followed him. Now, now many people have suggested that, of course, these disciples uh, followed him. They were trading up in life (laughs) Um, to get an opportunity to get away from the constant fish smell, the living on the boats, the manual labor, the dangerous conditions. Of course, they were going to say yes to Jesus. And let me be clear, they were eager to follow Jesus, but it wasn't because they were eager to leave their profession. It was because a rabbi was picking them. These were middle-class men, men of some means, giving up comfortable jobs and everything they knew, including their families. They were giving all that up to travel around the world, to learn, to preach, and really to lean on the goodness of other people to provide for them. In terms of economic position in their community, they were trading down, okay? But in terms of influence and purpose... These men just said yes to the greatest proposition of all time. And here's the kicker. A logical response to Jesus' question to follow him would typically be, where to, God? Where are we going? But they didn't ask that. They just went. These men model what faith looks like when we decide to become disciples of Jesus. You and me, we are called to to follow Jesus. Jesus is stepping into our lives and inviting us into this grand narrative. He says to us, drop everything that you're doing and follow me. Follow me on this journey in which you get to participate in bringing hope to the people around you. You get to be the bearers of redemption, grace, and mercy. You get to show people who don't know anything about love, you get to show them an entirely new life. And the great thing You get to do it in your own way, the way that God has created you. It's amazing. Each one of us has a very different story to tell. None of us are the same. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to a whole new life that is full of hope. That kind of purpose is what caused me to jump in head first. I remember being a 15-year-old thinking about all the kids at my school who had not heard about Jesus, and I wanted to be the one that was going to bring the good news to them. I couldn't wait for it. And even though I didn't know where I was going after I said my yes, I did know where I wanted to end up. I wanted to be with Jesus on that final day of judgment, listening to him tell me, well done, my good and faithful servant. I am pleased with the story that you chose. And that then became the new question that I began to ask myself. Where do I want to end up? I remember uh, sitting in an interview with an admissions counselor at a seminary that's going to remain unnamed today. And uh, the counselor was excited to meet with me, not because she was in the presence of Jeremy Shelley, um, but because I was a 22-year-old male interested in being a pastor, and that particular denomination that this school fed into was a dying denomination. So she's pouring it on for me, making all these kinds of promises if only I would attend there. Full scholarship plus stipend for books and living expenses. It it all sounded pretty good um, until I had the opportunity to ask her a question. I said, how is a guy like me, and I I was a self-proclaimed evangelical, how is a guy like me going to fit in in a place like this? This is a liberal school. 
In all seriousness, she looked at me and answered, we have support groups for people like you. (laughs) And after the interview, I met with my youth pastor again, and he asked me this question, where, Jeremy, where do you want to end up? Now, I know at the time he wasn't thinking on such a long timeline as I was, um, but his point was made. If I wanted to live my story out with limited influence, then it didn't matter where I chose to go to seminary. I could end up serving in a dying denomination that's far more concerned about being culturally relevant. Or I could follow as closely as I could to Jesus and the story he had for me and, and, and teach a faith that isn't concerned about cultural relevance, but concerned about kingdom relevance. I had a choice to live a life like one of the disciples, one that is influential and pervasive in the same way that yeast penetrates bread. Knowing where I want to end up is what drives my story. How about you? Have you ever considered where you want to end up? How does your faith, your story, influence others? Now, I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey. I'm not sure that it really matters that much because our response to Jesus should be the same. Regardless of what the world says, regardless of how it may seem that we're trading down by saying yes to Jesus, our response should be, I will follow. Whatever the cost, whatever I have to give up, I will follow. Why? Because the story of Jesus is all about comfort for the hurting, satisfaction, mercy, adoption, and the kingdom of heaven. Read Matthew 5. And and I get that it sounds like a big ass to say that, but the model that we have in Scripture works this way. I will follow. And sometimes what Christ calls us to is not practical. Your story, the one that has been or could be influenced by Jesus, has the potential to change people around you in incredible ways. The disciples, the the first four that we read about today, they were commercial fishermen. Until Jesus intercepted their story about all that they were going to influence is whether the people ate cod or mackerel, okay? But then... He came to them and invited them onto this incredible journey that not only changed their lives, but turned faith and spirituality on its head. You and I sit here in this church because Peter, Andrew, James, and John dropped their nets. They dropped everything to follow as closely to Jesus as they could. Now, I think there's two big ideas that we should take from this. One, when Jesus calls, say yes. Whatever it is, whatever the cost, say yes. And two, if we follow closely to him, there is no telling where we'll get to go. No telling where his story will take us, but we will know where we're going to end up. So I don't know where you are in your faith journey, but Jesus is calling. He wants to intercept your story and wants your story to influence others for him. Every one of us that's following Jesus, no matter how close we are to him. Every one of us has a calling on our lives. The phone is ringing. Will you answer it? And begin to dream big about what God wants your story to look like. So I'm just going to own this today. What I'm saying is not practical. What I'm asking for you won't fit nicely into what this world thinks is prudent or wise. Okay, Following Jesus as closely as you can means that your story will take some dramatic turns. It could mean putting yourself into some difficult places. But honestly, the Bible never says a life in pursuit of Jesus is easy. So there it is. I'm not going to 
wrap up by telling you that when you leave here, following Jesus means that you're going to have the perfect American life. I'm not. Following him means that you might have to make sacrifices. You know, my parents, they made a decision at the beginning of their marriage to trust God whatever came their way, which also meant relinquishing control over how their kids turned out. And, and I know that my dad struggled with this some. You know, he, he wanted me to be financially well off, to be secure. And, and I know this because when I told him that I wanted to become a pastor, he said that I was going to have to marry a rich woman. And um, true story. It really is. In fact, I know it's that he deal with that because he actually tried to set me up with a law student while I was in school. I didn't marry her. But I also know that when my dad heard me preach my first sermon, he couldn't be prouder. God changed my dad's story because of Reverend Gene Tyson. And that influenced my family's story. So what are you willing to submit to God? What are you willing to drop, to sacrifice, to give up in order to follow him? How will you let him take your story over? How will you influence others because of him? What are you going to give up? Your job, your financial security, the future of your kids, your house, your relationships, your cars, your reputation, your time, what? Dream about how God can use you and your story to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. It's what we're called to. We have a story to tell. Will your story be one that influences others for Christ? When Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers fishing, Simon, who he would later call Peter. That is the rock upon which Jesus would build his church, who would later be crucified for his faith. (laughs) And Andrew, who preached the gospel in southern Greece, the Ukraine, and Russia, and was also crucified for his faith. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will have you fish for people and immediately They left their nets. Later, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, who preached the gospel in Jerusalem and Judea and was later beheaded for his faith. And John, who preached in Jerusalem, Ephesus, Turkey, and Asia Minor and was exiled to Patmos for his faith. Jesus said to them, follow me. And immediately they left their boat, their jobs, and their family to follow Jesus. Fishermen called to change the world by Jesus, and so are you. Will you follow him? Will you drop your nets? Let me pray for us. God, thank you so much for the story that you're writing. Thank you so much that you allow us to be a part of that story, that we can influence others so they can know your grace, your mercy, your love, your redemption. God, I pray today that you would stir inside of us, that you would move in us and compel us to say, I'm going to give it up. I'm going to let go of everything, Lord, to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would just move us today. Give us the boldness and the courage to drop our nets, to drop our lives, to drop all of our story just so that we can allow ours to be your story, Jesus. Pray these things in your wonderful and holy name. Amen. 
We're going to keep worshiping, but um, I know sometimes that when we get in the presence of God and we feel him moving and stirring, sometimes we have to deal with stuff. And so I want to let you know, we do have a section over here for prayer. If you feel the Lord moving in you and you say, I just, I, you know, there's some stuff I need to let go of. I need to pray about. I want to encourage you to go over there. We'll have some people there to pray for you. Um, as I was writing the sermon and thinking about it, there's one song that came to my mind that I thought, this is really what I want to be the theme of today. And and uh, so we're gonna we're gonna close with this song, and I just pray that that um, that you would just worship God, release yourself to Him right now in this moment, and just uh, feel His presence around you and what He wants to write for your story.